Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio with your hosts, Anthony and Amy Russo. Grace and Peace Radio is a weekly Christian podcast where together we'll discuss how we can apply God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. Hi, Amy. Hi. How are you? I am good. Excellent. Good. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Well, uh, today I have the privilege of interviewing Amy Russo. There you go. And Amy, today we're going to be talking about Amy, but not <laughs> That's true. Not the same Amy. Nope. Confused? It gets worse. Because <laughs> this is the Russo show. That's right. So. Now, uh, actually, what we're doing today, we're going to be talking about Another Amy, mm-hmm. Amy Bird, yes, and her book, Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And this was a book that was really popular last summer. Popular mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, controversy. Right. Really controversial is mm-hmm. a better word, last summer. And it's one of those things that at, at some point... As you got onto the show, you wanted to talk about it, and I did. so this is uh, this is your your chance to do that. Before we begin, tell us a little bit about what what is this book that we're going to be talking about? What what is Amy Bird trying to get across in this book? What's the what's the gist of the book for somebody who doesn't have any clue what book we're talking about? This book is. Amy Bird's discussion slash argument on seemingly that a book done by John Piper and Wayne Grudem, I guess back in the 90s, I honest, I have not read that book, dealing with biblical manhood and womanhood. A.K.A. complementarianism. Right. And how she feels that it's gone too far, that it's... At least that's my take on it, that it's gone too far and that leaders uh, in the church have just taken it too far to where women aren't included in theological discussions and theological, women aren't included in theological discussions or theological teaching. Okay. Okay. And so... This this is not your first foray into feminist thought or no. feminist literature. No. And again, for those who don't know, the the book is is based on the metaphor of the short story, The Yellow Wallpaper. Correct. Which was an early feminist writing. Mm-hmm. It's so, yeah. So this wasn't your first foray into this. Right. Even though she's not an out and out feminist, she's using this feminist metaphor and this feminist short story. And a very secular story. mm -hmm, To assert what is essentially a something of a feminist agenda. Cloaked. Cloaked feminism okay. is, is really what, what I see it. So so tell me about that. Tell me about how this isn't your first 
foray into this field? What? Okay. Well, briefly, as far as my background is concerned, when I was working on my undergraduate degree, uh, I pursued a minor in literature because that was just something I enjoyed. So I, I got into it that way. And then my master's degree is in English. So in through that is woven a lot of different stories, uh, novels, and literary criticism that culminated in, you know, my master's degree. Interestingly, The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman was the very, one of the very first stories, short stories that I read when I was just taking a literature class when I was at community college. So it really wasn't even part of a program I was in now that I think about that. And it really struck me at the time. Now, now I was not even close to being a believer at, you know, in Mm -hmm. that time. So I was curious how Amy Bird was going to be using this, this piece of literature that is honestly very well known, very well written. It's a good story. Uh, but how she was going to use that in a Christian sense. Right. So how, how is she going to take this liberal feminist piece of literature and tie it in to this Christian setting and use it in... Well, I think it's a, it's a right. large twist to try to incorporate this secular piece of literature that is very feminist into her arguments. Um, it's one of those things too, where, you know, anytime you're, you're borrowing a metaphor from the world, yes. you have to be careful with it. Absolutely. You know? And, and it resonated with me because, you know, I was saved from that. I wasn't saved until I was 42 and I was doing and reading all this stuff prior to that. Right. Like I remember back in the nineties, I think it was the 90s might have been late 80s but when shirley mclean was really big with mm-hmm. the new age stuff mm-hmm. and she wrote a book out on a limb right well then there was a christian response to it and the title of that book was out on a broken limb oh interesting so, i didn't know that so that's one example where mm-hmm. it works you can take the metaphor from the world and use it you know for good or right. use it in your your response mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, what Amy Bird's doing here with this metaphor of the yellow wallpaper and this feminist story is is really using it to show that that there is a there's a construct there's an of within evangelical Christianity that needs to be peeled back like this yellowed yes. wallpaper yes, to reveal a truth that mm-hmm. it has been covered over. Right. Covered so over, ignored. Right. Uh, all of that. Okay. And, and so I was alarmed in, in starting to read this and even just in the introduction of just, you know, feminism is an empty, empty ism. There's, mm. it, it's perpetual frustration and anger. Um, it leads to cynicism and suspicion. And it's just, 
it's just not, it's just something I don't want anybody else having to experience and then extricate themselves from because it Mm -hmm. took a long time to get a lot of that stuff out of my head. So for someone who was saved from a background of feminism and secular literature, Mm -hmm. and this is something you and I have talked about too, within secular literature, because essentially there is no objective truth they right. have they have already turned away from god mm-hmm. literature then becomes the means by which men and women try to find make sense of the world find meaning find meaning and try mm-hmm. to find truth in this world apart from god right and so while there's some fantastic writing there absolutely ultimately it is all empty and wrongheaded you know it's it's all a lie because mm-hmm. it's not based on the truth of god it's not beginning from god it's beginning from man exactly and i'm and you know we're certainly not saying you don't read those you can't read secular literature but right, right. You, you do you, you learn do. about it it's a good way to read mm-hmm. to understand the world that we do live in absolutely so, and you read it with that mindset right. so yeah so let me ask you this mm-hmm. as with that background mm-hmm as you approach this book, as you started reading it, what reactions did it bring up in you? What what reactions did you have and why? The very first reaction was, oh no. You know, I not this, not this being peddled to to Christian women, you know, to women who are following Christ. Yeah, I, I guess my first reaction was just I was appalled that this is that this was, I was in a Christian book, and you know this stuff was being I'm sorry being sold to women, and my second uh, reaction was really the scariness of reading chapters, and essentially two thirds of a chapter would be solid biblical thoughts Mm -hmm. and facts Mm -hmm. uh and scriptural and then you would have the you know the last third of it just fall off the rails into um you know into this cloaked feminism Mm. even though that's not what she you know she she states that she's not a feminist but all the all the words are there right right in fact i was thumbing through the book again and there's a part where she talks about how she's not not fully complementarian mm-hmm. and not egalitarian, not feminist. Mm-hmm. But at the way she says it, it's really just wordplay. It is uh, in in my mind as I read it. Yeah. As I you know, as, and when you get to that point in the book, mm-hmm. which is somewhere in the middle of the book, it it, it was just kind of saying one thing but right. meaning another. Right. What what ideas or what elements from it, what what bothered you as you read it? So in this idea of, of this cloaked feminism is just really the feminist terminology, um, cloaked as academic or scholarly. Mm. So words like androcentric, gynocentric, gender tropes, 
gynocentric interruptions, gender norms, co-belligerence. And for those who are listening, like, I have no idea what the last <laughs> nine seconds were. Yep. Andro That's... means man. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a man-centered right. section of scripture or a man-centered mm-hmm. perspective. And, and not man in general, but men, physically men. Correct. And then the phrase that she came up with was gynocentric. Again, you think of gynecology, mm-hmm. women-centric portions of scripture so there's she's talking about man-centered women-centered and these other terms if you're wondering just kind of wanted to throw that out there just right so that you're like i've never heard that yeah don't worry most of us never did no and you don't need to explains that in the book and i think she might have even made up those terms i don't remember i don't remember which ones were or which one she got that's right her her secular right more scholarly resources right um so that bothered me. And then hand in hand with looking at feminist literary criticism is really reading the Bible. What they're doing is they're reading the Bible as a piece of academic classical literature. Okay. Now stop right there for a mm-hmm. second. And again, for listeners who maybe have no idea what literary criticism mm-hmm. is, can you give a quick definition of mm-hmm. what uh, or example of from it's from t- literature How, what is literary criticism it's taking it's taking a piece of literature apart and wondering and analyzing and discussing what the author really meant what themes were running throughout a, a story or an, a novel it's, what what underlying political statements maybe were being made or social statements being made it's it's picking it apart. Okay. And, and go ahead. With the idea that not so much to be we think of criticism as a negative, no, but it, no. it's it's a trying to arrive at what truth mm-hmm. is the artist correct striving to convey. Mm-hmm. For instance, in the visual art world, mm-hmm. you can look at a painting or a photograph, you know, you look at a mm-hmm. painting of something and you think what what was that artist saying? Mm-hmm. You know, what you look at a Salvador Dali. Right. I was just thinking of his. <laughs> and you're like, what on earth? Right. Does this is he trying to say here? Mm-hmm. And, or any of them, Warhol, any right. anybody, you know, Van Gogh, any of them. And some of it can be interesting because mm-hmm. you can you you learn from their journals, whether it's visual art or literary art from their journals or notes or interviews that they had right some background on yeah why they wrote what they wrote right so a visual artist why did they paint that mm-hmm. a literary artist why did they write that mm-hmm. what themes are they trying to convey what's trying to the, what's being said on the surface mm-hmm. but what's really being said right right and and Part of that literary criticism also is, you know, an interpretation is in the eye of the beholder. So exactly. you can get a hundred scholars to read the same piece of literature and mm-hmm. they're all going to have different ideas. Mm-hmm. That's exactly They're it. all going to find different themes and different, well, you know, I think 
the vase of flowers really symbolized blah, 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 mm-hmm. and whatever it was. You know, it mm-hmm. symbolized life. Or no, well, they, were, they were past their prime. It symbolized aging and death. Mm-hmm. Or, well, when meanwhile, for all we really know, the author included them because the author in their mind just wanted a vase of flowers on the table. Exactly. So you get this sort of hodgepodge of ideas Mm -hmm. and and part of it too is this also intellectualism yes and that well i need to hypothesize i need need well as an example uh mark twain class one of the earlier classes i took in my master's program just picking apart one i forget because we read so many but one of mark twain's works now the man was sarcastic but the man was also funny and so, yeah, there were some underlying meanings and, and statements on his part, but I I looked at my classmates around the table trying to profoundly come forth with some major philosophical thing. Like they were doing. Yeah, exactly. And and I couldn't help but say, well, maybe he was just trying to be funny. And your professor actually liked that. He did. I... He actually was. Yeah, he just kind of looked at me and he gave me this small smile like, okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not patting myself on the back, but sometimes you just read something because you, you read it. <laughs> yeah. And so part of the issue then is taking that literary criticism. Mm-hmm. You can do that with literature. Right. Where it goes wrong is when you do it to the Bible. Exactly, because what happens is you're now looking at pieces of Scripture and picking it apart instead of looking at the context as a whole. So you do that enough, you forget that it is God's Word. It is God's Word given to us and divinely inspired, period. Right, and I've seen this even in my seminary classes. Mm -hmm. Remember us talking about that. Because this has crept into, even at the seminary level, Mm -hmm. where you're not studying the Gospel of Mark or the the Book of Job or whatever the book is, right? The Gospel of John. You're not studying it as the Word of God. You're studying it as the author's work. Mm-hmm. And what are the themes mm-hmm. he's trying to suggest here? What, what's the tie-in to this? How is he trying to subtly convey this lofty theme or mm-hmm. idea? And, all? and again, it's like no. John wasn't trying to do any of that or Mark or whoever it was, wasn't trying to do any of that. But here's the thing. They weren't just the only author. We, you keep leaving out the Holy spirit. Exactly. That no matter what they wrote, Mm -hmm. no matter what they wrote, every single word they wrote was inspired by the Holy spirit. And ultimately it's the Holy spirit. Who is the author of all of this? Correct. So you still have the the author's voice because you can see that and hear that throughout the Bible. Paul's right. writing is different than John's writing. Right. V- different than Peter's writing. Mm-hmm. But it's still the Holy Spirit that's 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 doing the writing. And and that's the thing. It says here you have you have these esoteric ideas and word definitions that are outside what a regular Christian, male or female, mm. need to understand. Um. We don't need all that to understand the 66 books of the Bible that make up the Bible that God gave us. Right. And and the other thing that was 
in that is that she's using secular and marginal Christians as her sources to support her ideas. They're not, from what I saw in the all the footnotes in that, they were they were not solid Christians, mm. or they weren't Christians at all. Most of them, right? Most of them, yeah. yeah, not not all, but most of them. And I just hate seeing the Bible read that way, right? I it it's just not right. Yeah. Are there other elements or ideas in the book that, as you read through, were striking to you in in any particular way? We could do a whole podcast on her take on complementarianism and her thoughts that, and she tends to use words like all, she tends to use all encompassing words without any background of, okay, who's saying this? You know, who, who are these pastors of these very conservative churches that are touting women not being taught theology the way the men are of sermons being directed only at men which yeah there there really is a whole nother topic just on that but again it's going it's it's looking more at the outside resources of other books than it is looking at scripture and also you had mentioned to me one time we were, we were talking about how she'll take part of scripture and, and you just touched on this as well with some of the references. She'll take something from scripture and then bring in these outside sources mm-hmm. to try to prove a point. Mm-hmm. For example, Paul commends Phoebe. Mm-hmm. There's and then a- there's this huge, mm-hmm. huge leap of logic with an evidence where she goes to even suggest evidence, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> quotes, right? Uh, to to even suggest that in that Phoebe was essentially an apostle or acting as an apostle mm-hmm. because in her research that Paul was her her research for the word commend was authority that Phoebe was given the authority that she was the one who held the letter. Like a proxy. Mm-hmm. Like a proxy exactly. Paul. Exactly. A proxy Paul. And frankly, that stuff, that's not important. You know, it's it's not important when you're reading the Bible. I don't feel any lesser as a female when I am reading through scripture to know what exactly it was Phoebe had done. And then she has a whole chapter on Junio. Um which I don't remember enough right at the moment to to deal with. But the whole idea with Phoebe, Paul is good at commending. And I take commending as in praising and lifting up to the churches that he is sending these people to, because essentially Phoebe went probably with a group of people to the Romans to, to deliver this letter. doesn't matter whether it was in her hand or somebody else's hand it was all about christ it was all about getting the gospel out that's what's important yeah and i see my part in all of that as a whole not dwelling on who or what phoebe did it's funny how these ideas 
you know, you don't hear about this kind of stuff for 2,000 years. Right. And then suddenly somebody kind of brings up this idea, mm-hmm. well, you know, uh, Paul mentions Phoebe and commends her and, mm-hmm. you know, it could mean this and this and this. And so suddenly she's a, a, a proxy apostle. Right. And it's like, that's crazy because it's nowhere in any church literature Mm-mm. for 2,000 years. And it's and, not and because take, it's being hidden. Right. Right. And so you, you know, you take this, this bit character. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, in, in all of scripture, Phoebe is one of those walk-on characters. Exactly. As are many of the other ones that you find right. in, in now, the epistles. In the scriptures, in, in, in the kingdom of God, Phoebe had a, a, a role just as you and I do and, mm-hmm. and listeners do. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's that, but... In the overall scripture, Phoebe has this little walk-on part. Right. And then to, to take that and then make a whole, almost like like a whole backstory on this character. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's mm-hmm. this, this whole big thing. Right. In our culture, you can do that with Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Yes, exactly. Okay? But yeah. don't do that with Bible you people. You don't do it with Bible. Because that's truth, and that's mm-hmm. God's truth, and those are real people, mm-hmm. and it's not literature. No. No, it's not. It's What I find with this book is that it is empty. It harkens back to all the stuff that was dumped in my head while I was working on my degree. And I'm not saying that those are bad things, but I certainly wasn't taking it from a Christian mindset. So I absorbed it. I took it in as truth and lived it out for way too many years before, you know, Christ got a hold of me. So while the book is full of these, you know, scintillating ideas and wordplay and full of academic thought, in the end, it doesn't matter. It's our Bible. It's mm-hmm. the word of God given to us to tell us about Christ. In the end, of telling us about Christ's life, death, and resurrection for our sins. And that when we repent and believe, we are his, right. male or female. Right. So let me throw a hypothetical at you. Mm-hmm. You visit, a, a friend invites you to a, her ladies' Bible study. Mm-hmm. And the friend's all excited because they're they're studying this new book mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to be talking about it for the next few weeks, whatever. And, and so you're like, okay, I, I like books. So you go to this, this ladies' Bible study group mm-hmm. and lo and behold, they're all there clutching their yellow-covered <laughs> Amy Bird's recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood and they're all just super excited they've read the first chapter first couple chapters and, and they're seeing all drops. these new terms and and all this yes. this stuff and then they turn to you and they say well Amy we know you're new here but you know what what do you think have you have you read this book what what, what are your thoughts After I sigh and look at the floor. Yeah, what would you say to them? <laughs> I'd tell them to run. I'd tell them to leave it alone. The book's not going to edify you in any way uh, to lead a better or stronger Christian life. It's not going to 
lead you in any way on how to follow Christ better or be more obedient. If anything, it will create dissatisfaction and questions and doubt where there shouldn't be. An outside resource, and there's a lot of good ones out there. They're just hard to find sometimes. If it doesn't draw you closer to Christ, and if it doesn't lead you to better obedience to him, if it's just stirring things up and looking at scripture in pieces parts, you don't need it. You don't need to fill your head with it. You don't need it rolling around in your conscience or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no, there's, there's better things that will complement your reading of scripture and following the Lord. Mm. Well, that's certainly a, a powerful word that you would bring to, to that study group. Yeah, I'm sure and, they would be happy with it. Right. But. Again, you're also coming at it from a perspective of of love and of experience because you have seen the full fruit, the mature fruit of Mm -hmm. feminism, Mm -hmm. uh, which this book is there in, in some elementary form. It is. And so you've seen that and you know where it, it leads to. So it's not just, hey, I didn't. I read this book and I just didn't like it. No, it is. I know the damage that can cause, and it it really is damage. I mean, there's there's images and things that don't need to come to mind because it just impedes your walk. And in coming to the Lord later in life, and there's a lot of that water under the bridge kind of stuff mm. that that will will come will come to mind and not in a good way and right. you don't need it yeah. yeah i know for myself reading it i didn't get through it i read half of it mm-hmm. and then i just i love the 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 advice from charles spurgeon if the game's not worth the candle drop it at once mm-hmm. and for me reading the rest of the book wasn't worth the candle right and I almost gave up on it, and but I wanted to. Yeah, because I, as I started to read through it, I I saw again that the Bible is literature, so we can pick it apart. Mm-hmm. Because again, now we're looking at what men say, mm-hmm. not what God says. Mm-hmm. So now it's fair game, exactly. And that's not an Amy Bird thing. That's what that's what literary criticism on the Bible does, right? And then also. There was just this this flippancy mm-hmm. and uh, almost almost a crudeness at times in how she handled scripture, how she handled certain stories in scripture mm-hmm. and experiences, and uh, it certainly didn't convince me to anything other than the complementarian view is biblical that mm-hmm. you know God has put men as the leaders in the home to be servant leaders, to love their wives Mm -hmm. and to lead them in Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. and women 
wives are to submit to their husbands in love mm-hmm. and only to their husbands. That's the key. And mm-hmm. not that they're, like you say, not that they're doormats nope. at all, Mm-mm. but God has given each roles. Absolutely. And so there's an order and an organi- organization. And an orderliness. And an orderliness in the home, just as there is in the world, mm-hmm. in the world that God has made, in creation. Mm-hmm. You know, God has given governments, God has given nations, God has given boundaries of nations, all of that. And God has given the same kind of thought and care and order within the home. Mm-hmm. That was that was my quick take on it. But let me ask you this. This is this is about you and I just hijacked your own. No, you did minutes, not, but not, not at all. Like I said, we could do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. So closing thoughts. What 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 are some closing thoughts you've got on this? I, again, I just don't think the book was written in love and it stirs up strife and discord. But my best thought on this to listeners is be discerning in all you read. I cannot emphasize that enough. It will make reading outside resources, you know, any outside source that's referring to Christian life or the Bible, it's going to make it more work. I mean, you're not necessarily going to be able to skim through it, but honestly, that's our job as Christians is to be discerning, to be the Bereans who hear something and then go back to scripture. Where, where is it? You know, is this what God tells us um, to do or be? So you need to read and hear discerningly because our Lord tells both men and women the same thing. It is the same message from Genesis 1 to Revelation end of revelation which that tells you i don't know what the last chapter verse are but it is the same and and we don't have to sit there listening to a sermon and wonder why the pastor is using the pronoun he i'm smart enough to figure out that it's referring to me mm. uh, so please just be discerning in in your reading and in your hearing you know there's a lot out there Amy, you did a lot of a lot of reading of this book. It was a book that you didn't really obviously care for, mm-hmm. the ideas you didn't care for. No. But it took you months to work through, to underline, to All make sorts notes. Of scribbles in the margins and I mean you really took time with with this book. No, well, thanks. Yeah, I I wanted to read it from cover to cover. I I didn't want to just make an assessment after an introduction. And 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 honestly, even stuff that I had read online about the book uh, and about the author, I, I wanted to do it for myself. So it was worth the work. It was tiring, but it was worth the work. Amy, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll well, always thank you enjoy for allowing your, me. Always enjoy your insights in what you read. It's to put a... To put a positive spin on all of it, Mm -hmm. this is a great example of, and and you're a great example of how God can take someone out out of a sin background and then use that, even use that for his glory 
after he has saved you and made you a Christian. He took your background in literature, in studying all this, frankly, godless literature. Mm -hmm. Now, again, now in the world's eyes, this is some of the best writing in the English language. And there is a certain, I mean, Shakespeare is Shakespeare, mm -hmm. etc. There are some good, good There's, stories out there. Right. And, but as we talked about at the beginning, it's still essentially godless. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's nothing, there's nothing saving. There's nothing God glorifying about this literature. This is just literature of the world. Right. And it will perish when the world perishes. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, God has used your training in it and your knowledge of it and your ability to read and interact and, and thoughtfully interact with and engage with these ideas and the words and the writing and then to synthesize all that together and then also to then apply your Romans 12 one renewed mind yeah. and and then totally use that for his glory so uh, it's exciting to see that so thank oh, you thank for you. sharing really the fruits of of your salvation with us today well thank you i appreciate the fact that the lord will allow and use everything for good well that's our show for today I hope you'll join us next time as we spend time in God's Word looking at how we can grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service to Him. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash graceandpeaceradio. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.